Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Work Podcast, the podcast co-hosted by myself, Gina Killey, and my dear friend and longtime colleague, John Sumser. As you know, The Work Podcast tackles a number of topics related to workforce issues, and that's why today we are delighted to welcome Chris Grossman, the CEO of Beekeeper, as our guest. Chris, would you please introduce yourself to our audience? For sure. Thank you very much, Jean and John, for the invitation and the opportunity to be here with you today. My name is Chris Grossman. I'm the CEO of Beekeeper. At Beekeeper, we deal with frontline workers and help drive digitalization in this big segment of the workforce. We believe they deserve better tools to have an easier way of working because it's already really hard what they do. So excited to hear more about the conversation and let's get started. Yeah, Chris, thank you for that. Um, you know, we hear the term frontline workers bantered about quite a bit. Who is a frontline worker? And are they only in certain segments of vertical markets? Or tell us a bit about who you're serving. Yes, for sure. So frontline workers are, I would say, probably the biggest overseen and forgotten segment of the workforce. There are 2.7 billion workers out there. And it's basically everybody that, as opposed to probably you and me sitting behind a desk and a laptop, they have to work on their feet. They're constantly maybe cleaning in a hotel filling up the shelves in the retail store, making sure that the production in factory goes well. They have to work with their hands. Work tends to be tedious, repetitive. It's just hard work. So we really serve that segment of the workforce. It's You find them in big uh, concentrations in industries like hospitality, travel, manufacturing, retail, logistics, and so on. And we believe over the last decades, they have been strongly forgotten when it comes to digitalization. They still work with bulletin boards, pen and paper, post-its, lots of oral communications. You have huge hurdles when it comes to language barriers. Diversity is huge in this segment of the workforce. So that is the type of companies, industries, and users that we're devoted to serve. Are they always hourly workers? Yes, so hourly workers can be also a frontline workers. So we, we've explored a number of terms to best describe the frontline workers. We believe frontline workers is maybe the, the broadest one we can find, but it can go from hourly wage workers to also, a, for example, workers that are just temporary geek workers even blue-collar workers in, in construction sites and so on. So it's a, there are a number of different ways of uh, calling the frontline workers, and that's what we mean with this uh, yeah. umbrella term of frontline workers. You know, I, I'm just thinking back to um, earlier in my career, uh, and, and John, maybe you have a similar story. I remember <laughs> the pain and suffering of checking a piece of paper that was tacked up to an employee, like I guess they called it an employee lounge. It was more like a closet. And that was, you know, the schedule for next week. And we all used to crowd around it, get really excited if we had X number of hours, or, you know, we would discuss swapping a shift with someone if you had like some place to go on a weekend. Um, to what extent are you involved in scheduling? I know that's very complex, especially. In local jurisdictions, I mean, here in the U.S., it can make or break a difference in terms of whether or not you're eligible for benefits. Totally. So Beekeeper 
is what we call a frontline success system. So we try to be the one-stop shop for the frontline worker to get everything they need in order to be productive and engage that work. So we connect these frontline teams with everything they need in order to do great work. Why? Because we believe in that way businesses thrive and also frontline workers live better lives. So to your question on the scheduling, scheduling is definitely one of the core pillars when it comes to information that they need in order to, to be effective. We've run a number of surveys in the frontline workforce and among your, our users, and we found that scheduling and having clarity on when do I have to work is one of the biggest stressors for frontline workers when it's not addressed properly. So that's definitely something we do. We do it, but in a partnership with uh, the biggest tools. So what we find among the industries is pretty much 80% of the teams are still using some sort of Excel spreadsheet to do it. And some companies have already tools like ADPs, UKGs, Atos of this world. So our approach is to collaborate and to partner and integrate with those type of solutions to basically extract the information that is most relevant for the frontline worker and expose it to them when they need it. Uh, that is actually, it, it very much comes from this notion that you mentioned that it's a very complex problem to solve. It varies by jurisdiction, by industry, by company size, but that's why we definitely rely on a network of partners to make sure that we leave the business logic to them. But when it comes to exposing it to the frontline worker and allowing them to do the swap shape, that happens on Beekeeper integrating into those systems as opposed to the bulletin board that you described before. Mm. So, so when you, when, when you talk about scheduling, I think this is, this is a theme in beekeeper, which is that your overlay on other systems. Is that, is that correct? First of all, that, that what you do is integrate data from other systems. And so the ability to do shift swapping and that sort of thing is contingent on those other systems being able to do shift swapping. Is that right? That, that is correct, John. So Beekeeper is, I would say, the last mile delivery when it comes to information, data, trainings to the frontline worker. There are many capabilities that allow companies to use Beekeeper directly as a standalone solution. And in these type of cases where they say, hey, I already have a scheduling system or I already have a document library that I would like to integrate or I already have this other financial system to expose, for example, payslip, um, we can then integrate and pull that data from there. So, so benefits administration is another one of those things that's a bugaboo for everybody in the whole wide world. Do you manage the interface with benefits administration or tell me how that works? So in the specific case of benefits, we typically do more of the communication around it. So everything that goes from announcing which ones they are, enrollment, making sure the process runs smoothly, but we do leave the, the management of the benefits per se to the HR department and to be done in other tools. Okay, so, so, so it's not a perfect overlay. There's some things that you don't do. Correct, what, correct. What, what, what are some of the other things that you don't do? Other things that we don't do. Um, so, you, so you probably don't do payroll. Correct, yeah? correct. So the, the ones that, so, Let's flip the, the the question a little bit differently. So the, the approach oh, please, please. is to say, what are the most important things that a frontline worker needs in order to be engaged and productive? And we've done a lot of research over the years. We've been roughly 10 years uh, running and building up the company. So we've invested a lot in 
getting close to our customers across the US, Europe, Asia to understand and answer the question, what makes a frontline worker really productive and engaged? And turns out, and I'm more than happy to share that uh, with you afterwards, it's also available on Amazon, my book called The Rise of the Frontline Worker, where I talk about the six needs of the frontline worker. One of them is uh, the question, when do I have to work? That leads into schedules. When do I get paid? That goes into the direction of finances, uh, payslips, et cetera. What do I have to do? That is more of an operational topic. How am I progressing towards my targets? And what is going on in the organization? And with whom do I have to work? So if you think about where the answers to those six questions lie, you will quickly find out that they're spread across the organization in financial systems, scheduling systems, sometimes intranets, document repositories, et cetera. So what Beekeeper does is basically go and pick the, that information from those systems and extract it and put it available to the frontline worker to address those needs that allow them to be really focused and engaged at work. So those are the things we do. And as you say, for example, in some topics when it comes to communication, we go deeper with our own communication capabilities. When it comes to finances, pay slips, scheduling, we play more of an integration and layer on top of the existing system. Mm -hmm. Got it. So how does how does trading work? And and the reason I'm asking is I've I've had the displeasure of having to figure out how to do um, managerial work inside of a system that approximates some of the things that you do, and it's mm -hmm. horrible. It's horrible as a manager. Mm -hmm. It's it is just horrible to try to figure these things out. Um, and and part of the problem is there is an assumption on the part of the software company that this stuff is so easy that any idiot can figure out. And it turns out I'm not even that smart. And so, and so, so I end up in a panic whenever I have to go actually exercise some of the functionality of the communication system because the system isn't intuitive and the training has been terrible. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so, so how do you train people how to use the tools? Perfect, great, great question. So what we found and, and the philosophy we follow is we understand how difficult frontline work is and how engaged they are in the work in the real life. So it's not like they have two hours to sit in a room and run through a proper or, or like an in-depth training of how the tool works and what to do. So we very much rely on the product itself being super simple, also adjusted to the reality of the frontline worker that might be wearing gloves, might be having glasses, it might be a noisy environment. So we've optimized all of the interfaces to have larger buttons, a really good readability of the fonts so that people basically have a consumer-like experience on that tool. And the amount of training that is needed for the end user and frontline worker is close to zero. They open it up and they identify elements of applications that may, they might have already seen on their consumer, on the consumer world, like messaging, news feeds, documents. So it's very, very intuitive. And our customers seldomly invest more than a few minutes on, on the training site for the end users. For the managers, it's a little bit of a different story because we also have a number of tools that allow them to send campaigns, to set up workflows, to make sure that their processes are digitalized, be it the form for like a near miss a submission or like some vacation requests, PTO and so on. So 
that does require a little bit more of training. And the way we go about it is twofold. One is to provide a set of templates that allow our customers to, with just a few clicks, get already started uh, with, with that particular use case that they want to do. And we also invest a lot in trainings and support and being and making our customers successful with our own teams. So I would say with that, we differentiate a little bit the end user for which the, the simplicity is key. I would say if there's one rule we've learned over these 10 years is uh, complexity is a killer of engagement for the end user when it comes to the mobile applications. And on the other hand, you need flexibility, you need more power in those tools, but that requires a little bit of training. So for managers, so, that's... Hmm? So this will be, be a gateway to the AI conversation, but I want to come at it in, in, in an interesting way. I have yet to meet a CEO of a company in the space who didn't claim that their software was intuitive. <laughs> um, um, and I have yet to meet a, a CEO who has actually got a function in place that checks whether or not that claim is true. Um, um, and so, right, intuitive, if you see it every day is one thing, but if you if you use the tool occasionally, um, the hardest part is remembering what's supposed to be intuitive, right? And 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 so there's a there's a, a friction that happens in a user's experience, whether it's the worker or the manager, of just remembering how to get into the system and you have to you have to make a shift in consciousness from working to whatever the process is inside of the software um and and i noticed that that's a source of friction all over the place so and the reason i want to ask this as a lead into ai is um it's easy to fall prey to the same problem when you introduce AI and the products of not having external checks to make sure that you're believing your own crap rather than understanding what's actually going on in the workforce. So how do you, how do you put a reality check on your claims? Very good question. So we do measure that because I agree with you. Like it's very simple to, to make that claim. There is a couple of KPIs that really reflect uh, this claim that we hold ourselves accountable towards our customers. Uh, one of them is alone, as you mentioned, how hard or how easy it is to get into the tool. So we call it activation out of the people that are supposed to be on the tool. How many are actually logging in at least for the first time onto the tool? This might sound like a very rudimentary and simple hurdle to pass. I mean, if you think about us, we get a link from a tool on our inbox, you click on it, you single sign on to it with your credentials and off you go, right? That's maybe the, the simplest way. When you think about the frontline, a frontline worker doesn't even have an email address. Sometimes they've never even used software of the company. So for them, it's a little bit of a different type of change. And that's why if you come with a classical approach of the legacy typical vendors out there and say, hey, you need to use your single sign on to get onto this tool. What you will find is that the activation, for example, Microsoft Teams has an activation of around seven to 10% among frontline companies. So <laughs> people barely even download the tool and use it and log onto it. So already there, you fail. Now, the second step is, well, the fact that you logged into it means that you still need to use it. As you said, there needs to be a change in behavior and usage that is continuous. We as a company, we have what we call a North Star metric 
meaning the number one KPI that we believe represents the business value we're generating for our customers, and we call it weekly active users. How many of those users are using the tool on a weekly basis? Why does weekly make sense? Because you know shifts kind of like repeat themselves typically from week to week, so we feel that's a, a good uh, type of usage that every time you're on site in your shift, you should be using these type of tools, as opposed to only monthly, that, that we believe it's too, too little, and in the daily side, you might get lost into the, the shift schedule. So, a weekly usage and, and how does that activated user translate into into the into a weekly user we also track that very closely and to, to just set a comparison on the activation rate we see numbers above 85 90 percent of frontline workers choosing to use beekeeper on their personal device why is that so powerful and so different from the seven to ten percent because it's a choice on their personal device and that simply reflects how much value it has for them. And again, that comes from our philosophy of asking, how do we make their life easier? How do we really add value and remove friction from otherwise processes that find place on paper? And we simply allow them to be sitting on the couch on the Sunday, pull up their shifts or request directly from their allocation or a salt. So that's real true value and engagement for the frontline worker. So yes, we do measure that, and that's how we uh, sustain those those claims. John. So I'm not sure where you are with AI, but I understand there's some AI coming into the into the product. Let's hear about that. Yes, for sure. Let's let's dive into the AI topic. So we've uh, we've asked. I mean, we we all have heard a lot of buzz around. AI over the last couple of weeks, months, ChatGPT, all of these assistants, et cetera, et cetera. However, all of those applications are definitely for white collar workers, office workers, people sitting behind a desk. Please make a summary of the sales call. Please pull me that presentation. Please create this Excel analysis. That's all good, but it's very useless for a frontline worker that has to clean rooms or fill up a shelf. So we've asked ourselves, how do we support frontline organizations with AI? Like what can AI do for the frontline worker and for those frontline organizations? And I'll start first with the level of the managers and the leaders. And that's where part of the AI we have found is really powerful when it comes to analytics and disclosing early signals of something that can potentially escalate. So we do have a lot of analytics around the content and in the in the newest release, we're announcing in a couple of days a new frontline intelligence package that allows our customers also to analyze the sentiment of the organization. In first early trials of this type of technology that allows to pick up early signals of how an organization is actually feeling, uh, we've seen customers that operate, for example, airports to be able to avoid even strikes because they were able to identify there is something going on early on and act before it escalates too much that as they claim that allow them to avoid the strike in the airport that you know how how painful that is so that's the type of technology ai to pick up signals from everything that is going on digitally on the platform and allow organizations to react quicker and faster We've also asked the question, like, what can AI do for the frontline worker themselves? Because that's also even maybe the more interesting question. And what we found there are ways to enable and, and to embrace the diversity of the frontline workforce. They speak different languages. Typically, they have 
thick fingers and they don't really like typing, like orthography and typing is not necessarily their thing. So we're working with voice interfaces and translations of those voices to then go and find the right content for them without them necessarily having to go and do a full search or look through documentation of a certain machine and so on, but basically provide back the answers in their language and with a with voice interfaces and make it more easily and consumable for them. So the second part is something we're launching uh, later on in this year. This, uh, the frontline intelligence package relies much more on the AI for sentiment analysis and to pick up early signals. So we're very excited about what the AI and uh, in general AI can do for the frontline. Sounds like a topic worth digging into some more. Maybe we'll get you back um for another one of these things. We're hitting the top of the hour now. And so, so let, me, let me make sure to ask you to tell the audience how they can get a hold of you. And um, Jean, yes. you have- I, 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 There's something that's, that's still stuck in my head here. So let me, before, okay. before we go. go there, give me 30 seconds. Um, Chris, you have a PhD in electrical engineering. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. How yes. did you get into HR tech? Like what drew <laughs> you? What what attracted you to this industry? Yeah. Excellent, excellent one. So let me take a step back. So originally I'm from Mexico City. I grew up and, and was born there, lived the first 19 years there. And both of my grandfathers were frontline workers. One of them worked in a copper factory and the other in a paint factory. And I spent countless summers and afternoons kind of like watching them going to to work with them and kind of like learned a little bit the, the struggles of the frontline and the realities of the frontline and how much people actually struggle with this type of mundane processes. So I would say that that's one part of it. The other one is I did my PhD in electrical engineering after being a chemical engineer. So I was fascinated by these large factories and processes. And that's what got me into the, the frontline space professionally, so to speak. And uh, after finishing my, my PhD, we, we identified this opportunity of, uh, together with my co-founders, of helping the frontline be more engaged, more successful. And that's basically what got us uh, going. Originally, we started very much working on the communication side of things, like how do I reach my frontline workers? How do I engage with them at scale? And that was really the tip of the iceberg to teach us how much more there is to do for the frontline worker. And that's what has led to the development of Beekeeper over the last 10 years. Thank you for that. Thank you for indulging me in Mexico City. It's one of my favorite places on earth. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> John, I'm so sorry. I interrupted you and I know you've oh, been no, keeping no. a watchful eye on time and we are close to the end of our time together. With that, was, that was good. That, that was illuminating. I, I appreciate you. Grabbing that, Gene. That's great. So, so now, tell our audience how to get a hold of you. Thank you, John. So, I would say everything is on our website, www.beekeeper.io. You can try the product there. You can reach out to our team. And my email address is chris at beekeeper.io. Feel free to reach out to me directly as well. And so, yeah, those would be the, the ways to reach out to us. That's fantastic. We should have a longer conversation about AI one of these days. Let's do that. Um, Let's do that. It would, it, it would it would be very interesting. Um, you've been Love listening it. to the, the work 
which is a podcast that, that I co-host with Gina Kelly each week. This is John Sumser. And uh, we've been talking with Chris Grossman, who is the CEO of Beekeeper, a frontline workers communication system. And it's been a delightful conversation. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Gene. And you can find us wherever you find podcasts.